Okay, well done. Anyway, great to have you with us this morning, and we're very privileged to have with us uh, Mark Connor. Mark uh, was the senior pastor at, uh, at City Life for quite a number of years, um, uh, one of the largest churches uh, in Australia, largest, uh, certainly largest church by a long way here in, uh, in Melbourne. Uh, Mark, um, I was going to say retired, he didn't retire, he, he stepped down from his role at City Life about 18 months ago and has been itinerating and um, doing a great job just getting amongst churches and leaders and providing um, support and help to them. So uh, we're, today we're launching our, our money series. So we have our rhythm in the life of our church community, Invitation Sunday, followed by Seminar Sundays, which is the next three weeks, where we look at a practical uh, topic, and the topic that we thought of this time would be money, because it's something that affects all of our lives. Uh, it creates a lot of, for many of us, uh, stress and pressure. And so we're going to spend three weeks just looking at um, what does the Bible have to say about this incredibly practical, important topic, and then we go into our Christian Basics series and then into our deeper series. And so Mark is here with us this morning to launch us into our, our, our Sunday seminar. So let's give Mark a real warm welcome this morning. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve, and thank you for your welcome today. Really good to be here at Bayview Church. Uh, what a great church. Oh, well, I'll... I wasn't talking about the building. It's a nice facility. I was talking about you. I'll give you another chance. What a great church. Come on. The best church should be the one that you're a part of, right? And so thank you for your welcome. It's really good to be here today. Uh, Steve and Louise are really good friends. What great leaders you have. Thank you for those two claps. Be sure that you encourage them. Um, you've got some, some great people uh, heading up uh, the leadership team here. Uh, my wife and I have only recently uh, started renting in the Mornington Peninsula, just in May. So we're loving this part of Victoria. Uh, it really is beautiful. We haven't done a summer here yet. We hear you have a lot of visitors who overstay their welcome. <laughs> so we haven't yet experienced that. So great to be here and to be able to share with you this morning. Hope you had a good weekend. I uh, hope your footy team won. If you're into footy, I, I'm a Geelong supporter, so I'm... I'm grieving at the moment. We have a Melbourne scarf in church this morning, obviously thanking God for the victory on Friday night. So it's only a game when you lose, isn't it? It's only a game. There's always, always next year. So there we go. So really good to be with you today. Let me pray and we'll get into our message. Father, so good to be together today. And we already sense your, your nearness. We know you're with us all the time. But something special happens when we gather as, as your people, and people seeking you. And so I pray this morning, I don't know everyone in the room, but you do. I'm sure there's some people here today that are maybe feeling a little down. Would you encourage them even as they're here today? Others that may be feeling some anxiety, some fear, would you just be their peace even right now and give them courage for what they're facing? Others that may be feeling a little lonely even in the crowd today that as uh, we heard today from Peter, that they would find a sense of belonging. And so I pray today that as we share that uh, there'd be something here for everybody. We could go, here and go away from here in a little while having a, a sense that you spoke to us, that you encouraged us, that you inspired us. In Jesus' name, everyone who's awake said amen. 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 So as Steve mentioned, today we're beginning a series on money. Kate, I'll just give that a press. And see what happens. 
There we go. Thank, there we go. So we're going to uh, do a message today called Money Talks. You know, I've been around church for a long time. I'm actually a PK, a preacher's kid. Any PKs in the room here today? My dad used to call me a TO, which stands for Theological Offspring, which is a little higher class of PK. Anyway, I kind of grew up in and around church. And uh, the truth is, at church, there's probably two topics you don't hear a lot about. One is sex and one is money, unless it's about giving. And so I really want to commend, I'll leave you to do the sex talk at a later time. Um, but, but has he done that, has he? Okay, there you go. Uh, but money, preachers get a little negative, a little uh, nervous talking about money also, uh, unless it's giving, and yet money is far more than giving. And so as we begin this series today, um, don't worry, there's not another offering at the end of the meeting. Um, the goal is not to get more of your money, although the church can always use more resources. Hopefully this series is going to be a help to you, uh, wherever you may be in this area of finance. And so as we begin today, just a couple of comments uh, about, oh, there we go. There's our, our mission. Did I hit the wrong button there? Let's go forward. Oh, that's okay. Kate and I are having a lot of fun here. So there we go. That's the one we want. Uh, okay. So the Bible and money. Let me just give you a, a little bit of uh, uh, information. You know, Jesus talked about money and possessions in 16 of 38 of his parables. It's estimated that one in 10 verses in the Gospels is about money. Uh, Jesus talked more about possessions and money than about heaven and hell combined, which is a fascinating statistic. There are 500 verses in the Bible on prayer, 500 verses on faith, but 2,000 verses about money and possessions. In fact, there's a thousand verses in the Bible on money alone, second only to the topic of love. And so obviously this is an important subject. Uh, the biblical authors talk a lot about money, I think, because our money matters to God and hopefully to ourselves. Uh, one example would be Luke 16, where Jesus has this parable of this shrewd manager. It's a very unusual parable, but in the end, Jesus basically says, the way we manage our finances is an indicator of our maturity. And then he says this amazing statement. He says, the children of this world are often wiser than the children of light. Uh, how many know that wasn't a compliment? He's saying often people without faith are better with their money than people who do have faith. And so learning to manage our finances is a part of growing as a person, as a human, as well as for those of us here today who are followers of Jesus. And so this is a really, really important uh, topic. Uh, here in Australia, we, we are one of the richest countries of the, in the world. In fact, uh, many people in the world live on just a couple of dollars a day. So we are a wealthy country in comparison to many parts of the globe. And yet the truth is many Aussies, including many Christians, are under financial pressure. One survey I read uh, indicated that financial pressure was one of the major uh, challenges that people are dealing with in our country. Credit card debt is rising. For many, it's in thousands of dollars. And so when uh, finances aren't going too well, it actually affects every area of our life. And so today we want to talk a little bit about this area of money. Uh, the, the Bible does have some warnings about money. Money can be a bit of a monster if you allow it to rule your life. Uh, it can cause some damage. It can become very deceptive and destructive. In fact, Paul was bold enough to say the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say money is the root of all evil, but, but the love of it when it becomes a, a God in your life. 
Uh, of course, I don't think that means that God wants us to be poor. Um, it, it, you, can, you can love money and actually not have it. Uh, it. The issue is not whether we have money or not, it's whether it's ruling in our life. On the flip side, the Bible has a lot to say about the benefits of money. Money can do a lot of good. It can meet our own needs. It can help us uh, meet the needs of other people. And so money can be a, a great servant in our hands. Uh, personally, as, as I've studied the Bible on money, I think God wants all of us to prosper. Uh, to prosper means to have enough to meet your own needs, not greeds, needs, and enough to give away. How many think that's a good goal for all of us, to have enough money to meet our own needs and enough to give away to help others? I think that's a biblical definition of prosperity. I think that should be the goal in all of our lives. And so we're going to look at some ways that we can actually uh, achieve that. To begin today, a fairly little practical um, thing that we can do in this area of finances is to do what I'd call a personal money makeover. Uh, everyone's into makeovers today, whether it's their garden or their house or maybe getting physically fit. And so I think if we're going to manage our finances well, we need to start with an accurate assessment of how we're doing. Uh, don't worry, this won't hurt too much, but let me just give you a couple of questions that's worth each of us asking just to see how we're going in this area of finances. And so, first of all, you need to do a bit of an assessment. Uh, the first question is, what do you own? This has to do with assets. All the accountants in the room are very exciting, excited right now. They're hearing some language that they hear only during the week. But the first question is, what do you own? This is the area of our assets. It could be some cash, a house, a car, furnishing, that stamp collection that you've got somewhere on a shelf somewhere. These are all the things that belong to us. Includes maybe some money owned to us. Number two is what we owe. This is referred to as our liabilities. This could be a loan from somebody else. It could be a bank loan or a credit card debt. These are our liabilities. The third question is, what are we earning? This is our income. It might be some wages, some returns from investments you have, uh, some government support, royalties from some hit song you wrote back in the 50s. Uh, I don't know, but this is income coming your way. And then the fourth thing in our personal money makeover is what are we spending? Where does it go? How many know this is the biggest question? Where does it go? This is our expenses on food and clothing and living and possibly some debt repayments. And so it's really important, if you're going to manage your finances well, that you know the answer to these four questions. Again, the accountants will enjoy this, but a balance sheet is where we take our assets and we subtract our liabilities and we come up with our net worth. Not our self-worth, our net worth. And hopefully what we own is greater than what we owe and we have a positive amount there. That's really important if we're going to be healthy financially. And it's got nothing to do with the numbers. It's all to do with the ratios. For instance, if you have a million dollars in assets today, just keep looking forward. You don't have to confess that. If you have a million dollars in assets, but you have $1.2 million in debt, how many know you're not really that healthy financially because you have a negative net worth. In contrast, if your assets are worth 100000 today and you only owe 80000 then your net worth is 20000 you're actually healthier financially than the person with a million dollars worth of assets. And so, it's not the numbers, it's 
more the ratios. And then the second financial statement is called a profit and loss statement. Are we doing okay this morning? Thank you for your enthusiastic response. A profit and loss statement is where we take our income and we subtract our expenses. Again, hopefully, you're spending less than you're earning and there's a net profit at the end of the month, at the end of the year, rather than a loss. Again, the numbers aren't as important as the percentages. You could be on a $100,000 wage or income today, but if you're spending $120,000, then you're going backwards $20,000 a year. In contrast, you could be on a $50,000 income per year, and if you're spending $40,000, you are healthier financially than the person making twice as much money as you are. It's got nothing to do with the, the amounts. It's all to do with the percentages. And so managing our finances well, which is part of being a disciple, means starting with an accurate assessment of where we are. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't done so, get up on the scales. How many know the scales never lie? Get up on the scales and just be brutally honest. How am I doing in my finances? Unless you define reality, you can't then take a journey towards where you want to be, to financial freedom, to the place where money is in its proper place in your life. And so we start there. And so let's talk now about some ways, once we've done that reality check, how can we move towards becoming healthier in our finances? Well, let's talk about the power of a budget. Anyone heard of a budget? It's a wonderful word, isn't it? Uh, If you don't take control of your money, it will take control of you. And a budget is simply a tool for controlling our finances. And Jesus taught this. Luke 14, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says this. Don't begin until you count the cost. Who would begin constructing a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, they might complete the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh and say, that person started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Nicole and I have a number of favorite TV programs. One of them is Grand Designs. Anyone like Grand Designs here? If you're into real estate or design, it's a fantastic program. But how many know you can feel the stress through the television for people that have this great vision, but their budget is just so unrealistic? It blows out and they can't afford to finish it or they're under tremendous stress and pressure. Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said... It's wise to have a budget. Don't start doing something without first sitting down and actually putting together a financial plan. And so Jesus himself commends budgeting. And so a budget obviously includes income, inflow of money, and it includes expenses where is it going. And so let's take a little bit of time to talk about those two areas. When it comes to income today, where where do we get money? Where, Where do we get the inflow happening? And as we read the Bible, human work is the means of getting the earning side of our financial equation happening. Interesting, God is a worker. He himself worked for six days, and then he took a seventh day of rest, and he blessed the Sabbath. And he created humans in his image to also be workers. Look at Genesis 2.15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, say it with me, 
work it and take care of it. I know work is a four-letter word, but it's a good thing. God actually created us for contribution. I think sometimes we think that before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve were laying on hammocks drinking lemonade every day, just a life of leisure. And then they stuffed up and then God said, okay, get to work, as if work was a punishment for sin. It's not true, because in Genesis 2, before Genesis 3, part of our uh, wiring as a human being is to contribute. God himself contributes, and we were all designed to work, to make a difference in society. This was enforced later on in the teaching of Deuteronomy. Remember the Lord your God, it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Uh, Notice God doesn't give us money. He gives us the ability to earn money. Wouldn't it be nice if every morning God just delivered a little envelope by your bed with a couple hundred dollars? It'd be a great way to start the day. No, God's not in the money-giving business. God is in the power-giving business. God gives us the ability to earn wealth. He doesn't give us the money. He gives us the skills and the talents. And as we offer them in exchange for a service or a product, we receive some income coming to our world. And so we need to have a work mentality, not a welfare mentality, sitting at home waiting for a check. Uh, We need to see that as we work and serve, then we generate finance. The Bible also has a fair bit to talk about uh, get-rich-quick schemes. And unfortunately, Australia today leads the world when it comes to gambling. And uh, I think there's more pokies in Victoria than uh, many places on our globe. And, uh, you know, gambling's a very interesting topic. Uh, just statistically, you're more uh, likely to be struck by lightning than to win the Pat's Lotto big windfall. It's one in seven million, the statistical chances of winning. But the interesting thing is, I think God, in his wisdom, links work to income because when we work and earn money, we develop the maturity to be able to handle the money that we spend. Uh, Statistics and studies have been done of people who win a lot of money in a moment, often within a few years, they're back to where they were because they didn't actually develop the maturity that comes when you actually earn and save and generate that money. And so income is how we get that side of our equation going. And so many of you here today would have a job, and that's how we can see the income happening. It's not just having a job. How many know how we work is really important? How how we work, how we go about our work is essential. A good question today is, if your job was advertised, would you still get it? Hopefully you would. If you left your job, would there be tears? Not tears of joy. Hopefully, we are not just got a job, but we're actually working in a way that adds value to the people that we're serving. And so that's the income side. Now, there'll be reasons why we may not be at work. Some of you here may be retired, and you're enjoying the benefits of years of work. And your biggest challenge is which coffee shop to go to today. Mike told me that just before church. He said that's his biggest challenge. And so uh, others may be here and not able to work. And so there's always exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, this is how we get the income side happening. And then what do we do with the money? Uh, What what about an expense plan? And I want to share with you today uh, something that's not original with me, but it's just this little idea of a 10-10-80 plan with our spending. Uh, Give God 10%, uh, save 10%, and then endeavor to live on the remaining 
80%. Let's have a little talk through this. So first of all, uh, when you get some income coming in, first of all, honor God. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will bring over with new wine. So whenever you get some income, first thing is to honor God. Give him not the leftovers, but some of the first fruits of what he's given to you. In the Old Testament, there were many laws around this idea of tithing, giving a tenth. As we come to the New Testament, the emphasis is more on generous giving, not because we have to, but because we want to. In fact, in the New Testament, there's this concept that all that we have belongs to God. How many of you can't sing, I surrender 10%, I surrender 10%, 10% to Jesus. No, no, all we have belongs to him. But just taking that first part, that first 10%, is a good reminder. God, you gave me the job. You are the source of my resources. You give me the abilities. So that's a great principle to get happening in your life. Secondly, and we don't hear a lot about this today, uh, even in church, is to take another 10% and save. The Bible has a lot to say about saving. So uh, honor God and then honor yourself. You got up in the morning, you went out, you worked hard. Put another 10% into a savings and investment plan. Look at these Proverbs. Proverbs 21 verse 20. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Uh, In the Living Bible it says the wise person saves. Everyone say saves. For the future, but the foolish person spends whatever they get. You know, that was written probably about 3,000 years ago. I'm telling you, this is some of the best financial wisdom you can ever get. The wise person saves. They have some stuff stored up where the fool spends everything they have. That's the number one problem in our world today financially, is most people are spending everything that's coming in and more and going into destructive debt. And so why not just get a discipline of honoring God and then putting some money away, saving for the future. When you save, there's some freedom, take some pressure away, there's joy. And if you feel moved to give, then you have the opportunity to do so. Anyone heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Yeah, I mean, we all love the Good Samaritan for his compassion. Remember the story? He's walking along and someone's been robbed by the road. The priest heads by and the Levite heads by. But this Samaritan stops, has compassion. But you know what? He doesn't just have compassion. He takes him to a hotel. He says, I'm going to cover the next couple of nights. And he had a donkey actually to get him to the hotel. We commend the Good Samaritan for his compassion But have you ever thought about his good stewardship? He actually had some money saved up so he could help that man. And sometimes we go, oh, I'd really like to help. But if we haven't saved anything, then we don't have the ability or the resources to move with our heart. And so saving is very important. Here's another Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs uh, 6, verses 6 to 11. Take a lesson from the ants. Anyone looked at an ant lately? They're so tiny, aren't they? Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and be wise. They have no prince, governor, ruler to make them work, but they labor, they work hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Think about this. Ants have small bodies, but they're very, very smart. 
We have much bigger bodies, but sometimes we're not as smart as the ants. So the ants during the summer, they work and they store up. So when there's a downturn in Ansylvania, <laughs> come on, when winter comes, when the economy goes a little south, they've got some stuff saved up. I thought it was funny too. They've saved some stuff up. We need to learn the wisdom of the ants. They don't only work, but they actually store up. They have some savings for the future. So really important that we do that. You know, the number one money problem today is that most people spend more than they earn, and they're going into destructive debt. Again, doesn't matter what the figures are. That's the number one problem. And therefore, the number one key to financial freedom is to spend a little less than you earn and then save and invest the difference over a long period of time. So we've got 10% to God, 10% saving for ourselves, and then the challenge is to spend the remaining 80% or less on our living expenses, food, clothing, housing, transport, etc. Um, and so this is a great budget if you're just wanting to get on the path to financial freedom, get your income side going, 10% to God, 10% saving, and endeavor to live on the 80%. Uh, again, it's a great plan to have, but we've all got to be aware of uh, budget busters. And one of the biggest budget busters is something called impulse buying. Impulse buying is when we buy things on the spur of the moment based on emotion. Uh, some of us, come on, we get excited. Our heart starts beating just at the sight of the word sale. Sale or two for the price of one, and suddenly we're buying stuff we don't need. I, I did this in our early couple of years of married life. We needed a barbecue, and uh, we had a little bit of money in the bank, and I went out to barbecues galore, and I came home with the biggest barbecue. It was on sale, and I got all the bells and the whistles, and then I got one of those heat heaters, you know, for the cold Melbourne nights, and I ended up kind of buying a lot more than I needed. And we could afford it at the time, but in a few months, a couple of extra bills came in, and we were under pressure for many, many months recovering from my barbecues galore moment. And I know no one in the room has ever had that kind of experience. So I just thought I'd be honest today, just in case you know it's coming. In fact, today, we've been married 32 years. Every now and then, we'll be looking at a, a, a purchase or, or we're thinking of doing something, and we'll both say, Let's not do a barbecue's galore. It's kind of become a little iconic fan. Let's not do, let, we don't need that. See, often we're buying stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> so impulse buying is one of the biggest, biggest dangers we have. And there's an entire industry called the advertising industry that's one goal in life is to make you dissatisfied with what you have and to make you believe if you just buy the latest, the newest, the better, the faster model, life will go better. God bless all you marketers in the room. And so like Jesus, we are being sent out like sheep among wolves. We need to be on guard. Now, a little tip here. Did you know that women do this more often than men? Women, statistically, are more prone to impulse buying than men are. However, men do it with larger amounts. Thank you. Did you see that? I lost all the women and then they just came back. They just came back. 
It's true. Guys, you know, that extra pair of shoes your wife just bought, probably not going to bust the budget, but that new stereo system, 57-inch whatever. No elbows, just smile, just, just look forward. Impulse buying is a, a huge thing. Just because you can afford it doesn't mean you should buy it. Just because it's on sale. How many of something's normally $100 and you come home and you say, I got it for $50. You didn't just save $50, you just spent $50. So we've actually got to change our thinking, particularly in this area of spending. So very, very important. And so, very simple, 10, 10, 80. 10% to God, 10% saving, living on 80%. Now, let me just make a couple of comments here. If you can't make this happen, you've got a couple of options. Uh, first of all, you could increase your income. You could work a little overtime, you could get another part-time job, you could uh, get a higher-paying job, go and upskill. So if, if this doesn't work for you, you could get your income higher uh, to make this work. And, and that's one option, but it has some ramifications, because there's more to life than work. Uh, the other option, if you can't make this work and you can't increase your income, then you've got to look at possibly reducing your expenses and maybe even downsize or right-size your living expenses to your income. Uh, here's some wisdom from Ecclesiastes, again, written about 3,000 years ago. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil, stress, and chasing the wind. <laughs> Ever heard of the minimalism movement? You just Google, go to Dr. Google and type in minimalism and you'll see there's a worldwide trend going, how much stuff do we need? You know, most houses in Western countries have double garages. But you know one of the fastest growing businesses today is the self-storage business. Because we can't fit everything in our double garages. In fact, many people don't have their cars in their garage because there's so much stuff the car won't fit in. Don't look at me so spiritual this morning. <laughs> Minimalism, it's a huge trend around the world, in our culture. Here, 3,000 years ago, just think about this. Better one handful with peace and tranquility than twice as much with all the stress that comes with it. This is actually saying, could less be more? Could less be more? I, I was speaking on this at, at my last church maybe five years ago. And after the meeting, a couple came up, and I recognized the lady. She was a regular tender, and her husband was at church for the first time. And I'm thinking, oh my, it's first time in church, and I'm speaking on money, you know, which we didn't do a lot of. Uh, I found out he was uh, a bit from, from a Buddhist background, and so I'm kind of a little braced. And then they just went, this message was for us today. Thank you. As it turned out, they were living in a big double-story house in Roval. They had a huge mortgage. They were both working full-time. They were so stressed out by their finances. They were starting to fight in their marriage. And they said, would you pray for us? I said, look, I'd love to pray for you. And so prayed for them and didn't think about it. A few months later, probably three months later, they came up. I can't describe the smile on their face. They said, we sold that big house. 
We've got a smaller house now with a smaller mortgage. The wife's working part-time. She's now expecting a child. Uh, He's come to faith in Christ. And they just said, we can't describe the joy that we feel. See, less is sometimes more. Sometimes we just need to go, maybe your number one solution to your finances is not actually earning more money, but but actually just right-sizing your expenses to your living standards. Now, now notice the order. It's not 80-10-10. It's not 80-10-10, because if you, if you start with the spending, you're probably not save and you're probably not give. The order's really important. Uh, the, the numbers can change. You, you might be you know, so challenged, you might just start with 5 five ninety. <laughs> Uh, you don't have to stay at 10, 10, 80. You might move to 15, 15, 70 or 20, 20, 60. Like, like this is, these are just principles of giving, honoring God, saving, and then living within our means. And uh, it's pretty simple. I, I mean, a 10-year-old could do this, but, but many people don't. Nicole and I have done this for 32 years of marriage, and I can say it really, really does work. All of our kids have done this. Uh, our last church did this. We made sure we were giving at least a tenth out to community and missions. Every year we were saving some money, and we had a budget to live within our means. I know many businesses that do this. Uh, so, so it's very, very simple, but uh, it's not knowing it. It's actually putting it uh, to practice in our lives. And so uh, as we kick off this series today, again, our motive is, is to help you. It's not because the church is desperate for money, although, babe, you could always use some more money. You know, how many know the gospel's free? Gospel's free, but it costs money to actually get the good news out there. And uh, How much ministry can you do with $10? $10 worth of ministry. How much can you do with $100? A thousand, you, you get it. So if you've got a spare hundred thousand, you just don't know what to do. I'm sure Steve and Louise have got, you know what, we, we, we've got something we could do with that. Because baby has got a great mission. So uh, we, we want to encourage your giving, but that's not the, the motive for this series. The motive is to help you in your personal life so that you can have the financial freedom and not be under the pressure that debt often creates. And so I, I wonder what your response to our first message to this introduction would be today. Maybe for some of you, you're doing really well, and this is kind of pretty basic today, and you go, yep, been given, been saving, living within our means, and if that's you, just want to say, well done. Well done. Congratulations. That's, that's fantastic. You're handling your finances well, and uh, be blessed in that, and, and be someone who helps and comes alongside others. Uh, or, or secondly, maybe you hear you go, <laughs> whoa, this is a bit challenging today. Maybe there's some changes that you need to make in the area of your finances. Maybe the giving piece isn't there for you, or maybe it's just an occasional tip. You haven't become a, a regular giver. Maybe that's your step today. Or, or maybe the, the savings piece. You thought, huh, yeah, I, I, I don't save a lot. Maybe that's your response today. Or maybe this 80%, uh, trying to get your expenses together and going through and seeing if there's maybe some things you could eliminate or you're not using um, maybe a garage sale is the Holy Spirit's message to you today. Maybe there's just a bunch of stuff you're not using that could bless someone else or take it to the selvers and clear a bit of space and generate a little income. Little, little, little steps like that can just make a huge difference in our financial world. 
And so if, if there's some changes that you need to make in giving, saving, spending, then I pray you'll have the courage to do so. Or thirdly, maybe if you're honest, you're under a heap of financial pressure. Uh, you know, debt just starts at a little bit, and, and before you know it, you can just feel like there's a mountain of debt, and, and how will I ever work through this? And I just want to say, if, if that's you today, then I want to encourage you to, to, to get some financial advice. You know, come, come and talk to one of the pastors. You know, it takes often years to get there, and it's probably not going to fix in one moment, but today, you could actually start heading in the right direction. You, you could get some help, you could get some advice to, over time, get out of that destructive debt. And so if you're under financial pressure today, um, it's okay to ask for help. It, it really is. A few years ago, Nicole and I were, uh, had a day off, and um, we, we, we love the country, and so we're driving out, uh, out in the Dandenong Ranges area. We're driving down this uh, gravel road, and uh, as we were driving by, we saw a couple of emus, which, you know, you see roos, but not emus. And so we stopped, and I reversed back, and as I reversed back, I just kind of went to the left, and I didn't realize there was a huge ditch there, and I was just on the edge of this ditch. And I went, oh, and I said, Nicole, just get out. You know. and, and I went forward, and we slipped a bit. Then I went backward, and we slipped a bit more, and the ditch was about a meter and a half, so I was in trouble. So who are you going to call? No. Ghostbusters, man. Training the people well here, Steve. Who are you going to call? Uh, praise God for the RACV. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I called the RACV, and then we had that long wait, and Nicole and I had some intense fellowship um, about my driving skills, and eventually the RACV guy rocked up, and yeah, it's a bit embarrassing as a guy. Hey, I didn't see it. You know, all right, quick moment. He's got his rope out and towed us out, and it was all good. So I only mentioned that just to go, you know, if I hadn't called for help, I'd probably still be there now. And sometimes it's a bit embarrassing to go, you know what, I'm actually stuck. I actually can't get out of this by myself. But, but that's the first step to freedom. And so I just simply say, if you know, you're in a very complex financial situation, don't face that alone. <laughs> Ask for help. It's actually okay to do that. And I pray as you do, um, you'll know what it is to be financially free, to have enough to meet your own needs and to be a blessing to other people in your world. How does that sound? Was that okay this morning? Was it all right? A bit like the dentist, it's good for you. Not always comfortable, but good for you today. Your, your money does matter. It really does. It matters. And I pray as uh, we uh, do these series of money talks over the next couple of weeks that uh, this will be an area that uh, becomes an area in your life that's a source of joy. Uh, rather than a source of pressure. How about we pray together this morning, huh? Dear God, you know everyone's heart today, and so I pray for those that are doing really, really well. Lord, I just commend them today for uh, managing their finances in a way that honors you and brings joy into their life. Well, well done. Uh, Lord, some others that maybe need to make a few tweaks today. Uh, giving kind of doesn't make sense. You know, in the, to the natural mind, it's when I give, I make a loss, but there's something supernatural that... When we give, when we're generous, God, you keep things flowing our way. And so I pray for just a, a spirit of generosity here today for some that maybe haven't taken that step in fear of giving and, and saving. Lord, it's so countercultural. We live in a world that says, buy, 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 spend, 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 two for the price of one. 
Lord, it, it's so countercultural to actually go, no, I'm going to save, I'm going to store up. But well, even, even the ants do that. Um, we're smarter than them. Help us to learn to be savers and help us to learn to, to live within our means. And Lord, for those that maybe in, in really difficult financial pressure today, that they'd have the courage just to get some help, some wisdom, some counsel, and you would bring them out of that hole and help them to find the joy of, of financial freedom. And so bless each of us today. May we manage our finances well. And bless Bayview today. What a great mission this church has. And I pray as, the, pray as everyone gives, as everyone does their part, that the church will have more than enough, more than enough for the mission that you have for them today. In Jesus' wonderful name, everyone said amen. Amen. Uh, Earlier this year, I put a book out called Money Talks, uh, which has everything we talked about today and a heap more. It talks about investment and getting out of debt and uh, God's view of business. It talks about alleviating poverty and fundraising. And so if today was relevant for you, then we brought a few of these along. Normally $17.95, $15 today. Um, two for $30. Don't, don't buy out of impulse today, but in the foyer on the right, there's some books here, and that's available for you today. Also released a book recently on how to avoid burnout, and so for all you high-powered, change the world by the end of the year, year people, uh, that might be a resource that would help you. Also have another book called Prison Break, Finding Freedom from Fear, Freedom from Anger, Worry, Depression, um, Rejection, a whole bunch of areas like that, and so if, uh, that's relevant. That's out there too today. So maybe a delayed or belated Father's Day gift or someone for a friend, um, they'll be available there. Hey, it's been great to be with you today. Hope the message has been helpful to you. God bless you.